0: My daughter, Simone, was about three and a half years old, and we got to go to a beach house in Newport Beach. Let me just say that again. Um, We didn't really grow up with beach houses. That was not a thing. We didn't have access to that kind of thing. We moved to Southern California in 2014, and my freshman year roommate from college had lived out here already. And we had stayed friends all over the 20 years that we had been apart from college. And when we moved, he said, you know, if y'all come here, uh, my uncle has a beach house in Newport Beach. And so that was the discerning word of the Lord. <laughs> he said, We will be in California. The Lord has called us to do this hard, laborious work. And it was the kind of thing that was like, just say the word. Anytime you want to go to the beach house, we'll go to the beach house. So we said the word. And we said the word often. And it turned out the accessibility to the beach house did not quite meet the invitation to the beach house that was expansive and generous. And there was always a reason that the beach house was not available to us. So we wondered, is it real? And then one day it was. And so we tried to play it cool. And uh, like, yeah, yeah, no, we'll come. Yeah, we'll come to the beach house, I guess. Um, So we went and we walked in and it was just beautiful and glorious. And we're standing there in the living room and my three and a half year old daughter turns around and out of the corner of her eye just sees flowers and plants and blossoms and blooms. And if you know Simone at all, if she sees beauty, she has to go after it. So she sprinted from the living room out to the courtyard to just go see and touch the flowers. And on their way there, full sprint, as hard as she could possibly run, (laughs) slams into a glass wall she did not know existed. And me, I mean, as a good dad, I immediately need to go inspect this glass. This is like NASA-engineered cleaning solution. I didn't know it was there either. So, oh, hey, daughter, are you okay? She ran into a wall she knew not existed. A couple years later, same daughter, no physical wall this time. We're leaving soccer practice in Arkansas. We had just moved back after being in California for three pivotal formational years in Pasadena, just a mile from where we're at right now. And as we're leaving soccer practice, five-year-old prophetess Simone, my daughter, says as loud as can be in front of every possible person within ear distance, hey, Mom and Dad, how come all the families here at soccer practice are white? (laughs) Simone had run into a wall that she did not see until she did. She looked around at the practice and she said, this doesn't look like where we used to live. Soccer practice doesn't look like what soccer practice used to look like. The classroom doesn't look like what the classroom used to look like. What wall exists where I would come to a soccer practice where all of the families are white? That's just not natural, mom. That's not natural, why, why does that exist? She didn't know all of the socio-political situations that had possibly taken place over years of discriminatory practices to know what had happened there, but she felt the wall when she hit it. Church, I imagine a world without walls. I imagine a world without walls. What are walls? Walls are systems and structures that separate and segregate. They are devised to divide. They are implemented not for unity, but for uniformity. They are not for oneness, they are for sameness. And walls are never neutral. Walls always come at a cost. And more often than not, the one who builds the wall, who erects the wall, who plans the wall, who implements the wall, is not the one paying the price for that wall. There's got to be another way, church. That's why I imagine a world without walls. Can somebody say without walls? We're in the book of Zechariah today, and we're going to hopscotch our way through this thing, the first half of it, and we'll start right here. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 16. The Lord says, I will return to Jerusalem with mercy, and there my house will be rebuilt skipping over a chapter to chapter two, verses four and five, Jerusalem will be a city without walls. Can somebody say without walls? walls. Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and the animals there. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it. And I will be its glory within. If you're building a city and you don't need walls around your city, it's because a deeper sense of safety and security that transcends brick and clay, mortar and mud. I wonder if the Holy Spirit is such a wall of fire. And when you hear a wall of fire that the Lord says is present and the glory is within, I don't want you to picture a line of demarcation separating one from another. But I want you instead to hear a testimony of a testament to the presence of God that says, I'm here. The fire is here. The spirit is here. The presence of God is here. And it's a porous border that simply says, when you enter in, when you cross this welcome mat, you are entering into the presence of God's glory within. What if we lived like that? What if our world was like that? Can you imagine a world without walls? god we come to you to ask for you to give us a vision today and not just a world but our world lord what might our world look like as a world without walls where are the walls still standing what is the price being paid for the walls among us what are the walls that your spirit is saying i can take those down i can cross that border I can reach across and bring you with me, and not just you, but your neighbor. God, give us a taste of your glory within. Let us feel the fire of your presence in this place. May we know a world without walls. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're in the book of Zechariah, and this is a post-exilic book. The Babylonian exile has ended, and the call is to come home. But the call to come home is to a home that no longer fits and feels like home. Home has changed in their absence, and they've changed too. Coming home is to build in a new way with a new people at a new time, and these are people who have now known, felt, and lived trauma. Forcibly migrated exiled held under the power of oppressors in a land that they could not swear allegiance to Seemingly forgotten Forsaken always wondering will they ever make it back? I Know the plans you have for me but 70 years and Then will we ever really truly make it back and the Holy Spirit's invitation is to return and to rebuild and to restore, return to me, return to rebuild a world without walls. So what does a world without walls look like? I believe it's a world as expansive as the nations and as near as your neighbor. A world without walls is as expansive as the nations and as near as your neighbor. Chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you. God says, I'm making a home and I'm setting up shop with you. I am coming. I will live among you. I'm on the way. And many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. It's an expansive vision, this world without walls. I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. A world without walls is a world with a welcome mat written in all languages. How do you say welcome? What's your heart language as a greeting of a posture of saying, you are welcome in this place. Somebody crosses the threshold of your home and what do you say? BM, thank you. We've moved past the rhetorical, I'd love to hear. On the count of three, in fact, I would love to hear how you welcome somebody, and I want us to hear it in your tongue, in your language, in your vernacular, in your whatever the middle schoolers are saying this day that we still don't know what that means, but we try to relate to you, and you just cross your eyes. We wanna hear how you say it. So on the count of three, welcome one another in your tongue. One, two, three. I heard something in the front row. Y'all might want to sit closer to Rob, that's all I'm saying. A world without walls is a welcome mat written in all languages and it sounds like sound that has been shaped by the spirit. It's that sound in Acts chapter two where the tongues proclaimed and yet everyone heard in the different languages their own tongue. It's the sound of the nations coming together That same sight in Acts chapter 2 of the fuego falling upon the people, it's a fire and a song and a sound that is as ancient as the Exodus and as present as Pentecost. And that's the story of the Spirit. And once you've tasted and seen a world without walls, you can't go back. That's what my... Five-year-old prophetess daughter saw while walking on a soccer field in Arkansas. She had lived in a world without walls, and so when the wall came again, she said, what is this, and why is it here? That's the wall that she slammed into. It's a wall where the nations were no longer together. It's a wall where Lumpia was nowhere to be found at a church potluck. It's a wall where some nations could be deemed worthy of words that you wouldn't use on anyone you love. Even though the call was always to love our neighbor and to befriend the nations. It's a wall where my own dear sister, Compañera Inez, could come preach at her former home church back in the summer of 2018. The same church that sent her to seminary, but also the church where elders told her, if you come to preach this summer, And stand in that pulpit, it's now a platform and not a pulpit. And you can teach, but you can't preach. And if you come, you can't say anything political. And my sister said, give me the mic. I got things to say anyway. And she preached in that pulpit and said the things for anyone with ears to hear that day. But the walls had been erected. And to be told that you can't name the walls in your society because we had a Latina immigrant mother and pastora in the pulpit at that pivotal moment in our nation's history of oppression and wall building. This pastora could not say nothing about kids in cages at borders as walls were being erected and enforced to keep familias apart. Oh, you still said the thing. You just had to have ears to hear If you don't see a world with walls, it's only because your body hasn't had to feel them. If your body has never slammed into the wall, it's because that wall was never made to keep you out or to cage you in. Those walls were never designed against you. And so when we talk about walls, maybe those of us who haven't had to feel the walls in that way need to actually lay down the mic, lean in and listen to those whose bodies have hit the walls and to say, I trust your lived experience more than mine in this. Oh, but church, I imagine a world without walls. And it's a world as expansive as the nations. And it's a world as near as your neighbor. Zechariah continues to stir our imagination in this. Chapter three, verse 10. In that day, each of you will invite your neighbor to sit under your vine and fig tree. All of the nations will come. It's as expansive as the nations. And it's as near as your neighbor coming to sit by you under your vine and fig tree. During our three years in seminary, we lived a mile up the street this year, 2096 East Washington Boulevard, right across the street from Webster Elementary. My wife worked at the Starbucks there on Washington and Allen, knew the whole community more than any pastor does just by being at the front desk at the Starbucks. Well, come home in the afternoons after being at that Fuller library buried in the text, my eyes just hurting, and I would see kids covered in dirt and dust playing in our front yard over and again. Right next to our house was Armenian families, and it was like three to four generations. At one point, my wife drew me a family tree. She said, all right, so David and Madi, then their family, and they all lived together right next to us and our families intermingled, intertwined. Our front door was open, their front door was open, life was done together. I would come home in the afternoons, my wife sharing Armenian afternoon coffee under the tree with our neighbors. It's expansive as the nations and as near as your neighbor. And the front yard was always such this beautiful, porous, shared space, but the backyard, the backyard I thought was mine. So I'm cooking one day, and I'm there in the kitchen, and I look out the window, and the patriarch of the family, David, starts walking down our driveway, just as cool, calm, and collected as could be, goes to what I thought was my lime tree in my backyard, grabs three limes, and then just as casually and comfortably walks back in, opens his front door, shuts it, and goes inside. And i got to tell you, for just a second, the Karen almost came out. (laughs) It was like, it was there, right? Can I just acknowledge it? Is this a safe enough space? Can I, my lime tree in my backyard? The gall, David. David knew something that I knew not. It's not my lime tree, it was our lime tree. David lived there since before my U haul ever pulled up into that driveway, and David lived there after our family would move. He knew that lime tree more than I knew that lime tree. And if it's as expansive as the nations and as near as the neighbor, then it means the front yard and the backyard. The coffee and the lime tree we share together because we're imagining a world without walls. So David just knew something that I was slower on the take to figure out. At that point, I was offering him limes all the time. Man, you need a lime, I got a lime. Margaritas, what's happening with the limes? Guac? When we started our church, we started it in a house. And our dear sister, Jasmine White, was quick to tell us often. We're not having house church in my house. We're having house church for our church in our house. We would continually make the announcements and Inez and I would get corrected like stone cold back from Jasmine. We're not having house church at Jasmine's house. We're having house church at our house. Jasmine knew it's as expansive as the nations and as near as your neighbor. This was a world without walls. And it's a world as expansive as the nations, as near as your neighbor. And it's also a world built and upheld, not by the strength of our hands, but by the co-creation shapings of the spirit. By the co-creation shapings of of the spirit. I loved how you cast vision for us that last week, of the spirit who works with, the spirit who comes alongside, the spirit who all through history, mm, tapping into a different power. Zechariah chapter four, verse six. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, the governor of the land, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. We're tapping into a whole other power system, a whole other mighty structure. It's a mightier might, a brutal, beautiful power. In a world without walls will be established as this new creation is co-created with wind and wonder through the work of the Spirit. In in church, nothing can stand in the Spirit's way. They, they try to name some things here in verse 7. It says, what are you, mighty mountain? It's trash talking the creation standing before us. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, before the governor of this land, by the power and might of the Spirit, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shout, God bless it, God bless it. What are you, mighty mountain? Before the Spirit, the mighty mountains lose their might. And then it continues. Then the word of the Zerubbabel came to me, The hands, the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple and his hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Zechariah chapter four, verse 10. Who dares despise the day of small things? The pairing in this passage is so profound and insightful to me. The mighty mountains paired right alongside the day of small things. And the mountains and the small things are laid side by side. And you see, the spirit must know something significant about the shape of our souls. We can be just as discouraged by the mighty mountain standing before us as we can be by the day of small things that we're living in. The impossibility of the mighty mountain can feel too much and the vulnerability of the day of small things can feel too little. But when those things are our metric for goodness and growth, the mightiness of the mountain, how big is the thing after all? If that's our metric, then we've lost the expansive move of the spirit among us. Those ways are still stuck in power structures that are more focused on might and power. Those metrics are still more about defending, more about attacking, more about posturing and positioning and protecting. That's a kingdom of conquering. That's not a community shaped by caring, shaped by compassion, shaped by kindness and tenderness and generosity and goodness and justice and love. I imagine a world without walls and it's built not by might, it's built not by power, it's built by the spirit. And where the spirit goes, the spirit can look at the mountain and say, "Mm The spirit can look at the day of small things and go, you ain't seen nothing yet. Spirit says, if I'm on the move and you are aligned with me, keep your eyes, keep your ears, keep your mouth, keep your hands, keep your feet, keep your whole body positioned and aligned with me. I'm building a world without walls. And it's as expansive as the nations. It's as near as your neighbor. And it is built not by the strength, power, and might of your own hands, but by the co-creation shaping of the Spirit. This is who the Spirit is. And this is the work that the Spirit does. And the story of the Spirit is the story of a God without walls. God's building a world without walls, but it's because God is a God without walls. God lets God's walls down and chooses to move in where we are. And God moves in us, and God moves through us, and God moves with us, and God moves upon us, and God moves around us, and by us, and for us, and because of us, and near us, and on behalf of us, and within us. And do you hear all the prepositions? Those are prepositions of relationship. Divinity in relationship with humanity. And I didn't put any of them at the end of a sentence, just to protect your ears. God is a prepositional, relational God with us. Lets the guard down and says, I am the God without walls. And when we stay surrendered to the spirit of this God without walls and tandem with the spirit of the God without walls, that one with the spirit of this God without walls, we not only receive from the spirit's co-creation work a world without walls, But we get to offer the spirit this really precious gift too. By the work of our partnership with the spirit, we get to offer the spirit a spacious space for the spirit to rest and abide without walls as well. This language is just, it's fascinating to me. Chapter six, verse eight. Then he called to me, look, those going toward the north country have given my spirit rest in the land of the north. Those who have gone forward and who advocated to create a place of peace have created such a space where my spirit may rest. Can you imagine a world without walls where the spirit of the living God says, I can rest here. I can be at rest here a world without walls where even the spirit can rest because we've laid down our guns we've laid down our weapons we've laid down our defenses we've laid down our walls we have remained at one with one another and at one with the God without walls. We have worn well that robe of fire of the Spirit's presence around us, and we have learned to live with the glory of God's yesness within us, and we have embraced the terrible but beautiful vulnerability of all of it. We've learned surrender, surrender to the Spirit. A world without walls is a world where surrender reigns supreme i've laid myself bare to be before you god and the spirit says me too now we can rest together because we are both living in a world without walls we just recently the past week started the tv show on apple tv called shrinking Uh, maybe not the best depiction of the reality of therapy at least from my short experience with the show. Um, Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford, uh, I don't think any of the therapists in the room are going to be changing their practices anytime soon. But it is entertaining. Harrison's Ford character is this kind of gruff, grizzled veteran therapist, and he has these one-liners and these truths that just kind of stick with you. And one of the things that he said in this most recent episode I watched stuck with me. He's mentoring a younger therapist, and he's advising him on how to work with people who are at odds with one another. And he says, here's what you gotta do. You gotta remind them to stay open, stay open. If your defenses come up, you're stuck. But two vulnerable people will always find a way to connect. If the walls come up, you're stuck but two people who lay their walls down, two vulnerable people can always find a way to connect. I imagine a world without walls where a vulnerable God lays the walls down and a vulnerable person comes before and lays the walls down and a vulnerable borderland becomes a porous place with a welcome map written in all languages because the walls have been laid down I'll finish here with two final visions from Zechariah one is what a world without walls does not look like and one is a lasting image of what a world without walls could look like Zechariah 7 says the word of the Lord came to me ask all of the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? Are these not the words the Lord proclaimed through the earlier prophets when Jerusalem and its surrounding towns were at rest and prosperous and the Negev and the western foothills were settled? And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. But they refused to pay attention. They did not administer true justice they instead built a wall they did not show mercy and compassion to one another they instead built a wall they oppressed the widow and the fatherless a wall in a wall the foreigner and the poor a wall in a wall and they plotted evil against one another yet another wall they turned their backs and they covered their ears and they made their hearts as hard as flint They would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was angry at the injustice of it all. Wall after wall after wall. No one had listened to the words of the spirit. The story of the spirit is the story of a God who speaks the truth of what love should look like in relationship one with one another. If you want to follow the story of the Spirit, follow the words of the writers who wrote by the co-creation shaping of the Spirit, who with the Spirit in ink and scroll scribbled out a love shaped like law to help us live in harmony with one another and to help us envision a world without walls. This is what it doesn't look like. We'll finish with what a world without walls does look like. Chapter eight, the last of Zechariah's visions throughout this prophetic text. Starting in verse four. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem. Each of them with cane in hand because of their age. And the city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there the older will be able to come outside and just be. And they'll get to be in the presence of the younger who in a world without walls are safe and secure to come run and play. The streets of a world without wall will be filled with boys and girls playing there. It continues. These are the things you are to do If you wanna live in this prophetic vision of a spirit-shaped story of a world without walls, speak the truth to each other, render true and sound judgment in your courts, do not plot evil against each other, and do not love to swear falsely. I hate all this, declares the Lord. And then the word of the Lord came to me. This is what the Lord says, the fasts of the fourth and the fifth and the seventh and the 10th months, They will become joyful they will be glad occasions they will be happy festivals for judah therefore love truth and peace a world without walls is a happy joyful place lumpia is at the potluck we're eating well y'all in a world without walls and this is what the Lord says. Many peoples in the inhabitants of many cities will yet come. It's a vision as expansive as the nations and as near as your neighbor. The inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, let us go at once to entreat the Lord. Let us seek the Lord Almighty. I myself is going. I don't know if you're going to the cookout. I'm going to the cookout. And many peoples in powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In those days, ten people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of the robe. And they say, let us go with you. Because we've heard that God is with you. We'll grab you by the hem of the robe. Because you've learned to live in a world without walls. And anybody who's learned to live in a world without walls, oh, their goodness is contagious. Their joy is contagious. The fire of the Spirit's presence upon them is contagious. The glory of God dwelling within is contagious. And so Holy Spirit, give us vision of a world without walls. Show us our worlds, God. Show us where the worlds are still standing with walls in our own lives. The walls that have kept us one from another. The walls that have kept us one from you. The walls that have kept us one from even knowing our own self. Tear down those walls. And Holy Spirit, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, upon us, a vision.